Okay, with Michael Cook, Freeman Hospitality is the short film play at the Fantasy uh, Sci-Fi Film Festival. It's the Civil War times two in the United States. What year are we in in this film? In this film, we're about 2055, uh, you know, not too far from the future, but far enough. 33 years from now. Do you actually think that there could be a civil war? I know it's like one of the things that people say, but do you actually yeah. think that could, there, will be a civil, there could be a civil war in the United States again? Well, it's one of the reasons where, like, I, I really started asking myself that question. It's just like, if there was to be a civil war, what would the ramp, what would it look like? What would it take? So, like, you know, in, in kind of thinking about this um, and doing the research, um, it was like we started with the answer we wanted. It was like, we want there to be a civil war. What would that look like? Because clearly it wouldn't look like the one that took place in the late 1800s. Like, what would have to be the climate? What would have to be the temperate? What would have to be the people? So while I'm going to say, do I think there could be a civil war in this universe, the Freeman hospitality? Yes. I'm hoping no, honestly. Yeah. Like, in actuality, that'd be horrible for everybody. But, you know, if things go, if enough horrible events happen and enough of the right people don't temper down ideas and climates, it's just like, Man, man, begin, you know, man's nature against man. It's just like, I don't I don't want to say no against anything nowadays, you know. It's one of those things where like it's like the first civil war, there was a geographical divide, uh, obviously, right, north and south. But everybody we kind of talked before we press record is that everybody's like mixing with each other. Right. So you can't you're going to run into a Republican. You're going to run into a Democrat uh, no matter where you what, what what state or uh, you live in Georgia, which is you know mm -hmm. 50 50, I guess, right? So it's hard to have a civil war when everybody's kind of like mixing with each other, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really again like you're really getting into the meat of like all the the the, the pre-story that went into the actual stories. Like it wouldn't be clean, it's not gonna be divided on a Mason Dixon line. It's just like you're gonna have like a lot of the ways, like friends against family and brothers against sisters and people who were kind of mixed up in this pool where it's like yeah. it and this is really the the screaming hostility is supposed to show like what a sad state the world yeah. would be in if we decided that we wanted to just pick up arms and fight against each other it's like again this is all the pretense and the, the 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 story work that went into making this but it'd be a sad display of a certain section of people power grabbing um certain political crimes just not being facilitated and not being prosecuted to where you could carve out large swaths of certain states, certain parts of states, certain counties that yeah. could technically want to secede from it. But again, <clears throat> the idea to take this project forward is really to kind of examine why that would be such a bad idea. It's yeah. like, okay, you want a civil war? Here's how crappy and here's what it really would look like. Like we hadn't even gotten to the whole idea of like, what your currency is going to do, what your resources are going to do. Well, economically, to, yeah, like, everything would be. Economically speaking, like it's going to be a sad state of affairs. So rather than focus too much on the violence, it's like Freeman hostility is really supposed to be a question mark of just like, this is not going to be just a, a bang, bang, shoot em up type of thing. Like there are a lot of political and real world ramifications that come sure. with this type of world if we go down this way. Which is, you know, but it, it leads to the interesting question because it's like you're, the United States is the number one nation. And of course it's got, everything's got tons of flaws to it, but there's more commonality than there is divide, which is like, but when you're in the mix, like where you are in the States, it's hard for you to see that. And mm -hmm. I guess step one is that is when, was when the democracy kind of fails itself where like say this is hypothetical of course mm -hmm. but like say a president decides that you know election isn't fair 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and decides that basically that you know like basically we're, that I won the election even though you didn't and that's mm-hmm. sort of like and when people are denying democracy that's step one of of a of a of a civil war which is scary yeah. right because it's happening now yeah yeah our our democracy all democracies all all, all governments if you really think about it that one of like you see it around the world happening right now it's it's based on a fundamental idea of trust and agreement on a certain set of rules that as you can see over the last four years if you have people in charge who are just willing to buck the norm because there's no way to properly prosecute them or there's people who believe without a shadow of a doubt that the election was stolen or they're right even though the votes say another thing it's just like who's going to check them who's really going to check them like so it is kind of just be pondering that question where it's just like what happens if these things just sort of start to spiral 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 and that's why freeman hospitality we took it back just like the family the freemans are who we choose or who i chose to display and who to follow to kind of show these questions and yeah. maybe or maybe not get these answers it's the individual story within the macro kind of idea which is exactly. great this is a 20 minute short is there is this like a proof of concept is there a bigger story here there is a this is a proof of concept for a larger series yes. um you know we have a full that's why like when you're asking me all these like questions i was like oh no this is in our bible man like yeah. we we have asked all these questions we understand the lore like we've got like a, a very deep understanding of the world we're trying to populate uh, but yeah this is a proof of concept um we do have a full pitch deck and a pitch bible that you know we are shopping around right now we're really just looking to present this to people in the short film uh category um because in today's in age you know like everyone's got a streaming platform yeah. everything's proliferated and I'm the type of filmmaker where it's just like, I want to just bring this idea to the people and see how we can gain traction, see how we can make this larger. Um, but we've definitely done our homework and we're definitely ready for that. But that's why this 20 minute short is kind of packaged the way it is. So it can exist in this film festival market, but also does enough to where it gets viewers very, very excited and wanting wanting to know more. Gotcha. And so the the setting is that there's the Badlands of South Georgia, and then there's like a, so they have the the this the security uh, uh the security family I guess is that they have escorted mm-hmm. a, a foreign journalist into the war torn Badlands I guess right that's sort mm-hmm, of the concept. Correct. That is sort of the concept. I mean, think of any you know conflict, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, um, and that's kind of where this started. You have what you call a close protection agents who their main focus is to escort VIPs into these hot zones. Gotcha. So, Which just know, happens like, now, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very real industry filled yeah. with very real people. And we were very fortunate to talk to a lot of people who do close protection services and, and um, journalists who go to war-torn areas to ask them, like, what is your life like? Like, how do you operate? How are you living? Like, what is your mindset going into this? to really kind of lay this onto what would Georgia have to look like for this to happen? Like, if you can imagine, like, there are safer areas of the state than there are not safer. Like, there's areas of the state that could still have a thriving economy, and there are areas of the state that lawlessness is broken down, and it's kind of like a glorified gangland in a lot yeah. of ways, you know? And if there's, like we said earlier, if there's no one there to check these people, or if there's enough people in power who allow this to happen, 
then yeah, you could definitely see someone with a, a family like this who own a business like this, who have these skills and resources operating in this in this state, in this time, just really trying to make ends meet, which is why we wanted to focus on the Freemans like this. Like you start with a family who is fully engulfed in this world and all they're trying to do is survive. They survive, offer yeah. service amid this chaos. And there's like, there's an ideology, ideology concern too, right? Because they're, they're escorting this journalist into this, to the local tyrant. And it's like, they're trying to make a living, but at the same time, it's like, what do you sacrifice? Like what, how much of your ideology do you sacrifice to make a living, I guess, right? They, they're definitely treading a very thin line. There's a deleted scene that we actually did, actually didn't make it into the film where like, they kind of more so say their ideologies when the, because uh, the journal, the, the, a through line of it is, is like they're working on this and they haven't gotten paid yet. The, yeah. the, like anyone who's a freelancer in this industry understands when sure. it's just like, hey, we need that deposit. <laughs> Come on, bro. Like, yeah. what's up? It's the shoot day. What are we doing? So there is a whole like kind of three minute scene we unfortunately had to cut just for time where um, the journalist is just, can you know, trying to say, like, don't worry, I got you. You know, you can trust me. Um, and, you know, an offhanded remark where she's trying to interview them is just like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And they yeah. say like, we're an independent, you know? So they're smart. They're very, they understand that they have to thread a careful line, even if, you know, they have certain ideologies that line with certain parties. But I mean, to that point as well, it's just like when you're trying to survive in this world and, you know, we are a two party system and their, their, their ideology more so is just like the only people who've done anything for them have been themselves. So whether they they really just try not to get into the mix of it and the whole idea, if you can really understand, like, you know, literature and everything, it's just like they are thrust into this conflict without their say so. Yeah. So that's kind of the reluctant hero's journey that this family is going to be going into. But yeah, to survive, it's just sort of like you kind of, they they want to keep a low profile. They want to do their job and go home. And sometimes that means not saying the things you want to say and biting your tongue. Yeah. And it's well, it's it, there's an corporate analogy too, right? Sometimes we do that. We do, we all we're all guilty of that to a certain extent, right? Hundred so, percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're working in this world, man. It's just like sometimes you gotta. I mean, there's a right time and a wrong time to say things. Like I hate to keep pulling from like current events, but it's just sort of like yeah. I think about Kanye when I come to this situation. It's just like sometimes the best thing to do is just not open your mouth. And they're in those situations a lot with the world that they live in, where it's just like to do their job to get home, to survive, to collect their money, they have to operate a certain way. Um, and the point we show with the series going forward is just like, what happens when you push these people too far or to a point to where like, you can no longer be silent. You have to make a choice. Which yeah. side of this injustice are you going to stand on? And we get into that more into like the broader series. And it, it, it's, but it, in its essence it's a really a show a really a, a, a film or a show about family i guess right and absolutely like, yeah. how this family operates how this family is works together in these extreme environments again like the original script for this was like 35 pages so uh, cutting it down to 20 was really what we wanted to do uh to just kind of showcase it out but it's just like you know, you only have so much time in yeah. like this day and age to write, but really just show the the nuances of the family, how they operate together, 
you know, like displaying families on screen who have these certain set of skills. It's like we wanted to not just do a giant exposition dump. We wanted to show how they are in the morning, like what their dynamics are like in the kitchen, what their well, dynamics are I was just going to allude to that. Yeah. You, that's how you start your film. You basically yeah. start the family is in the kitchen, like just like any other family. Yeah. Like all the conversation, a lot of the conversation happens in the kitchen during meals. And that's how you, it's funny. It's like, it's like you guys said, it's a grand idea. But you start your film within with the family talking in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, that, and we really wanted to start there too. So like everyone knows, like this is about the family. Like everything else around that you see is what they go through, but never lose sight that this is about the family. And there's like they're different. Everybody's got their own dynamics. The mom, the dad, and matriarch, patriarch. Everybody's got their. The, you know, you you kind of identify like the dominant personalities which every family mm -hmm. has, right? So. Yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting. So in terms of your cast, where did you find your cast? Um, the cast there, uh, I was I was really fortunate. Um, the the gentleman Phoenix Higgins, who plays Jacob, I've known him for a very long time. He's a great actor, former producer and a former Marine as well. So I actually wrote this series with him in mind. Um, I, I loved a lot of the work that he did. And I knew that he could bring a certain proficiency with firearms that would kind of help anchor the other cast. Um, Ernestine Morrison, uh, she's been a friend of mine for a while as well. A really strong actress, a commanding presence. Yeah. I wanted to see her in something new. I was really, I was really surprised she said yes to this project. Honestly, like I, I see her in a lot of great uh, dramas and great romantic comedies and stuff like that. Um, and you know, my only regret is that she didn't have more to say. But I knew that if anyone could kind of hold the presence hold that presence when we cut to her it would be ernestine and she really really took to this role like she took to the firearms training she took to uh just playing this role as like the like kind of the linchpin sister because it is really the mom and the brother who kind of bump heads a lot and then uh baron oh my sweet baron baron came to me uh when we were doing our first casting and originally it was supposed to be a father in that role and when i saw her read, I, I rewrote the whole thing to have her be the matriarch. Like she was kind of the last piece of this puzzle that I really think makes Freeman hospitality because um, when she auditioned, I was just really just taken by her presence. And I was just like, no, because she auditioned for Grace. She auditioned for the sister role. And I was just like, no, you're, you have this energy that I think I would believe is a mother who runs a company like this. So if you're willing, I'd like to rewrite this story with you oh, as wow. the matriarch. Yeah, yeah. No, like, like compliment. I, I I I definitely rewrote a lot of this and just like kind of put Baron into that. And she again just like there was never a doubt. Like as soon as I saw that, I was just like, I gotta rewrite this for you. Like I want you in this. I want you in this role. And I definitely think the movie, the film is made better by her in it, in that role. So the, the the Sasha the the is she yeah the, the, so Natalie, Sasha right? Sa Sasha came in Natalie uh, again another Georgian native her audition just completely floored me um, I wanted a British journalist but I also said in the thing it's just like uh, you know if you can't do the accent like it's fine but you know I think she comes from a heavy theater background and she was really excited for the role her and Lauren who plays Dax both of them really came to these roles and brought something and that's how I like to work with actors like I also like I direct like a like a viewer like I I give you I get I tell actors, I'll get you 90% of the way there the other 10% I want you to have some fun with it I want to be surprised and both 
her and Lauren really took to their roles as Sasha, as as Natalie and Dax, um, that made me lean in a lot. Like I was excited for the things they were going to do, even the way like Lauren did his hair to kind of have that one little ponytail, the way he kind of infused this old Southern type of Baptist preacher into this gangland environment, yeah. the way Natalie, the way, the way Sasha even kind of, she, Sasha asked me, you know, like, what's, what's a play? What music are they listening to during this time? You know, yeah. like, to know that she comes from a family of journalists and like she's got a kind of a chip on her shoulder she's trying to prove herself so like what she knows about this conflict she doesn't really know a lot and i and i wanted that to kind of come through when she finally sits down with dax and she's like oh i may have gotten into way more than i bargained for so both all, all the actors on this project like really took to the roles and their excitement made me excited and that's why I loved working with all of them. Like they brought something to this film that I could never. And, you know, I think really good actors will do that to a project. They'll just elevate it like in ways you couldn't imagine. So most of the like half, almost half the film is their, the conversation between the two of the journalists and the tyrant. And yeah, mm -hmm. you, you lowered it. His name's Lauren. And and like, yeah, really convincing, tough, tough role, because it's like he's got to be have that leadership quality and that mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, He's got to, he's got to have that. He's, he's almost like insane in a sense, right? Like, uh, mm -hmm. but he still has that presence. So are these people, are these two characters in more in the, in the journey or like, are they just in this proof of concept? They, no, they, they are like some of my, some of my favorite and not to cut you off, but it's like, I think I, I kind of knew where you were going, but like yeah. some of my favorite stories or like at least some of my favorite stories are, are stories that are big but also small like yeah. it's a big world where we focus on just a handful of characters you know like this isn't really game of thrones this is more the expanse and this is more andor you know as far as just like there's a lot going on and we really stay with this cadre of characters and i think that really helps the viewer sort of get re really really understand what's going on we're not like hopping from person to person to person so yes like Dax is the linchpin in this entire series. Natalie is the linchpin in this entire series. Like everyone kind of care, you carry through with these people from the beginning to the end and they change. And sometimes they don't change for the best, but something like the seeing them change, seeing characters that you're invested in, like they're supposed to take us through this journey and how they react to certain things is why we become invested in the story. Yeah, and then something, of course, something takes place, and you kind of change your directing style after that uh, little bit of a. I don't want to give too much away, but like, like, mm -hmm. like twelve minutes in, something occurs, right? Where like there's uneasiness, and you kind of change your like. You did you like switch from like I? This is like a basic question. Did you switch mm -hmm. from like tripod shooting to like handheld or like steady cam? Was that a? Um, I mean, I, kind of, I get where you're going, and we definitely, we definitely knew at that time, like we wanted to kind of change the way the camera worked. Yeah. Like we were doing a lot of slow, a lot of steady, still yeah. sort of shots at the very beginning because we really wanted the characters to kind of occupy the frame. But yeah, and we knew that once we really like got into high gear, that the way we operated and the way the cinematography kind of changed up slightly would yeah. just kind of draw the viewer in more. So that was definitely a purposeful change um but really um that was always the idea she's like let's shoot this traditionally let's shoot this in a way that really lets the actors take the frame you know old school steven spielberg old school kubrick style where it's like they go small and they get big 
And then once we hop to, you know, the turn, then we're really just in it with them. Yeah. And that that different style of operating, however so slightly, you know, because I don't like to I don't like to do too many crazy tricks. Like I love Michael Bay, but I'm not doing a 360 camera move and a lot of stuff. But it's like, I don't think you need a lot from the cinematography to really convey the story points you're trying to hit. And we knew at the beginning, um, my cinematographer, Stephen Pitts, um, we kind of mapped this out at the beginning where it's just like, if we just change this up slightly, like that's really just going to elevate the dialogue and elevate the action that's happening. 100%. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting because it's like this character, it's like, it's it's almost like an interesting dilemma because you, you want him to, you don't like him, basically, mm -hmm. right? And and it's like, then the, like it immediately puts a major conflict within the family because it's like, this guy needs to go. And it's almost like, I you because you brought up present time, it's like, what would what would I do if I like, if I was in, in a room with Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Like, what would I do, Right like this crazy sorry i apologize but anybody who's offended this crazy like anti-semitic racist obviously person mm -hmm. who's like in charge that mm -hmm. maybe the world's a better place you know what i mean you know, you know what i'm trying to say it's like and that's sort of what you get at with this film right you're you're you're, you're really really like i i i'm so glad you're saying all this stuff because it really just kind of just harkens back to the pre-work we did like one of the that's one of the questions we asked it was like if you are a close protection agent, um, again, like political affiliations aside, but if you're a secret service agent and you're protecting a political person that you do not like, you do yeah. not work well with their policies, but you have a job to do, like, what are you going to do? Like, this isn't giving much away, but there was a, a shot that we wanted to make sure we got where Dak starts talking and the Freemans are kind of like taking their positions. And it's not about them at this point. It's about that conversation that, um, he's having um, with the journalist and everything that the Freemans do are like slight operator type of work. Cause we had to thread specific lines. It's like, we have to make sure that these guys always act professional like operators because this is a job yeah. and we have to make sure that Dax knows that as well. And is trying to get out of their skin. So the one, the one thing I really, a lot of people kind of hearkened in on is when there's a certain line he says, and then we cut to grace who's just mining the perimeter and she takes the, and she just flicks the safety off her gun. Like she doesn't look at him. She doesn't like make any sudden moves. She just takes her gun from safe to semi-automatic and Dax picks up on that because also we want to show that he understands what's going as well. So those small moments that we start to ratchet up the tension are what we wanted to show where it's just like, I will be professional. I will maintain discipline, but I will also be ready. And that's what we wanted to show with the family. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a really great job. So we sent you uh, the audience, an audience feedback video. What did you think mm -hmm. about the audience had to say about your film? It warmed my heart. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like I think any filmmaker who has worked with something that has been their own for years and to finally see people respond to it and in a positive way and ways that you hope come across on screen. Like I remember when I got that video and I watched it like 10 times, it was like so amazing. It was so great to just sort of like see and, and also like from a sci-fi standpoint as well. I think anyone who tries to create in the science fiction world or the fantasy world, um, 
understands that this is kind of a hard genre to work in. And sometimes you're worried about if your audience is going to understand or get the things that you're trying to do. But then you're reminded that like, yeah, there's other sci-fi nerds out there, man. Like we're not a small tribe. So to just even see people pick up on these small nuanced themes and understand how big they are. But even though we did it subtly, like it may, it I, again, to not to sound corny, but I felt very seen. I felt very, um, uh validated as a creator and as a filmmaker myself um but i i love the audience feedback you know like i think that's a i think that's a really really fantastic thing to kind of have filmmakers see because you go to all these festivals and unless you're doing a q a you're not really getting specific feedback on your film or at least like different quotes or different things that they like so having it this way to where you can really see what they took away from your project is like it's really invaluable and it's very helpful Oh, great. Well, I'm glad to hear that because, yeah, it's a really solid uh, film. So what's the next stage for uh, for this, this project? We, we've, we've applied to we've applied to a lot of other festivals. So 2023, we're hoping we have a really, really impressive run. Um, this is a proof of concept. So we're also reaching out uh, to our connects at certain networks, certain streaming platforms um, to just see if we can get like the ball rolling and see like, you know, start that journey that everyone hopes they can start that journey of getting a project developed into something larger. And these two ideas go hand in hand. So like the audience feedback, these festivals mixed with, you know, the head honchos and the muckety mucks and the big chairs to kind of give us the funding and the logistics and the, and the, and the, the, the resources we need to really bring this to the people properly is what we're trying to do in this next stage. So we're on we're on our campaign tour right now. Is what I'm telling all my friends. It's like we're on the campaign tour, baby. You know, we're knocking on doors, we're kissing yeah. babies, we're getting into other festivals. Um, you know, we're posting online, we're trying to get the word out. Um, and honestly, this is one of my favorite parts because like the work is done, and now I just get to go around telling people about it. And yeah. I really feel like again with the cast the, the audience reaction videos and just like your festival to start us off with like it it, it gives us a lot of it's a, it's a good sign that this is going to be a great journey for us yeah well i wish you the best i think it's like it's a nice, nice solid film it's really like i said it's in the sci-fi like category but it's really like a a, a family film and it's got some key mm -hmm. kind of ideologies about kind of the future in a sense right so as you kind of alluded to too it's like you're always looking at it from the lens of what we're seeing today right so mm -hmm. that's what great sci-fi is it's like what we're watching today and i think we'll stand the test of time unfortunately sometimes because like the world is getting a little bit crazy and i think that yeah. you're, what you're doing it's like it's great to do the 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 micro kind of story of like the individual versus the kind of like the, the the grand kind of idea i guess right so good job yeah, I think really good. I think really good sci-fi can 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 allow those type of conversations to happen. So yeah. Well, I wish you the best. Let's talk again when you uh, when this thing's a series or when uh, when you make your next film. Absolutely, man. Thank you for your time. And uh, again, like uh, I'm not sure this is probably like not part of the interview, but um, when you sent me the audience feedback video, we we paid the PayPal thing as well to get the cut down. Yeah. So we're definitely look we're definitely looking forward to getting that as well and seeing this. So. You know, looking forward to hearing from you guys more and like and just any of any of the other screenings you got as well. Like we're 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 definitely on the email, you know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlemiel, Shlemazel, Hasenbemp Incorporated.